If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of April 3rd, 2022. The podcast that delivers wigs by hair mail. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's hyposensitize the news of the bogus. First, an update to a story where the dumb got even dumber. Last August, we covered the story of a very stupid ATF that, completely contrary to the law, several independent analyses, including their own experts and basic logic, found that force reset triggers constituted a machine gun. In a normal semi-automatic like the AR-15, you squeeze the trigger, the gun fires, then you release the trigger, and the mechanism resets itself so you can fire again. With a force reset trigger, the trigger actually pushes your finger forward and automatically resets it so you can fire again. But it's still one bullet for every function of the trigger. It won't fire again unless you pull your finger back again. So it's a semi-automatic, according to Section 5845B of Title 26 of the United States Code, which reads, quote, The term machine gun means any weapon which shoots, is designed to shoot, or can be readily restored to shoot automatically more than one shot without manual reloading by a single function of the trigger. Despite that, we covered how the ATF went after rare breed triggers for making a force reset trigger, which they claim is a machine gun, even though, as you just heard, it isn't. So now, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith and 19 of her colleagues have sent a letter demanding that Attorney General Merrick Garland and the ATF disclose details of the secret internal guidance that led to this stupid decision. They wrote, We write to express our grave concern over the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives' continued pattern of enforcing secret guidance. This secret guidance was brought to our attention by those who have received recent threatening letters where the ATF makes blanket threats based on the recipient allegedly purchasing and possessing various firearm accessories, none of which are illegal based on any statute or regulation. These letters are in addition to an internal ATF email ordering seizure of various items and referring to those in possession as defendants. We find this pattern of secret regulation incredibly troubling. So, first off, Regulations are only supposed to be made pursuant to laws passed by Congress. If it isn't against the law, the feds aren't supposed to make regulations against it. Second, regulations are supposed to be public and transparent. People cannot be expected to follow a law they don't know exists, especially when it contradicts public law. Secret laws and regulations are the stuff of literal fascism. Third, Someone is only a defendant if they have been charged with a crime. By calling random people in businesses defendants without charging them with anything, they're implying that there's been some kind of secret criminal finding that's gone on behind closed doors. In addition to the force reset triggers, they've also gone against solvent traps. Yes, solvent traps. Why? Because they claim they're, quote, unregistered silencers. Say what? Aside from the fact that, outside of the movies, there's no such thing as a silencer, the actual accessory is a suppressor, 
How is a solvent trap a silencer? Solvent traps are used to clean a weapon. If you don't clean a gun, it can malfunction. If you clean the gun without using a solvent trap, the solvent can spill on furniture, skin, clothing, and other items. Solvent traps do just what they say, contain the solvent and debris during cleaning. And in case you're wondering if a solvent trap could be used as a suppressor, no. It couldn't be used as anything since it closes off the barrel. It screws on the end of the barrel and closes it up completely. That way, when you squirt in gun oil, it doesn't drip out the muzzle. It's contained so that it doesn't make a mess and it can be properly disposed of, or if it's reusable gun oil, it can be reclaimed and used again. I thought left heads were supposed to consider reuse a good thing. I mean, reduce, reuse, recycle. Except when it's something they don't like, apparently. In fact, attempting to fire a gun with a solvent trap screwed on would be incredibly dangerous. By the way, the relevant law here is Section 921A24 of Title 18 of the U.S. Code, which reads, The terms firearm silencer and firearm muffler mean any device for silencing, muffling, or diminishing the report of a portable firearm, including any combination of parts designed or redesigned and intended for use in assembling or fabricating a firearm silencer or firearm muffler and any part intended only for use in such assembly or fabrication. I know, I know, the terms are part of the definition, so I guess it just means whatever they say it does. But still, since solvent traps aren't meant for use when the gun is fired, how does it apply in any way? The senators wrote, In the letters, the ATF claims, without offering any explanation as to why, that popular item known as solvent traps and forced reset triggers are unregistered silencers and machine guns, respectively, and therefore subject to regulation under the National Firearms Act. One such letter threatens that possession of any of the unregistered silencer devices could result in prosecution for criminal violation of federal law and instructs recipients to contact their local ATF field office within 30 days to coordinate the abandonment of any silencers. The transfer or possession of an unregistered silencer or machine gun carries with it a penalty of up to 10 years in prison. They also said, quote, If the manufacturer slash seller refuses to abandon the items, please take custody of the items and seize them for forfeiture. In complete abeyance of the Fourth Amendment. But that wasn't the only amendment they took a steaming crap on, quote, the ATF email referred to those law-abiding citizens in possession of such triggers as defendants. Despite the significant criminal consequences attached to the unlawful manufacture, sale, and possession of NFA items, ATF has never issued any public guidance differentiating a silencer from a solvent trap or informing the public that it considers certain forced reset triggers to be machine guns. But by declaring them defendants without due process, the Fifth Amendment was turned into toilet paper. Quote, Disturbingly, ATF made these documents available only to those tasked with enforcing the law, rather than those who strive to comply with it. Indeed, ATF marked these documents as law enforcement sensitive to conceal them from the firearms industry and the American public. We find the ATF's attempt to conceal its interpretations of the law disturbing. In a free society, every citizen is presumed to know the law. Thus, as the Supreme Court has said, it needs no argument to show that all should have free access to the law's contents. 
including, in addition to the text of a statute, to those materials which constitute the authentic exposition and interpretation of the law. They demanded that the Justice Department and the ATF provide all such internal instructions, copies of all relevant publications, an explanation as to how they are to be used by law enforcement, and why the documents have not been made available to the public. They conclude, ATF simply has no authority to conceal public guidance and then enforce it on unsuspecting Americans. The ATF must issue only those regulations authorized by Congress, provide notice of the proposed regulations, and then provide the American people with an opportunity to comment before a new rule goes into effect. The deadline they gave was March 25th. That deadline has now come and gone. But a few days before that, the DOJ and the ATF sent a letter to FFL saying, quote, The subject FRTs do not require shooters to pull and then subsequently release the trigger to fire a second shot. Instead, these FRTs utilize the firing cycle to eliminate the need for the shooter to release the trigger before a second shot is fired. But I just quoted the law! Nothing in it requires the shooter to deliberately release the trigger, just that another shot cannot be fired until they squeeze it again. They're just making up crap and pretending it's the law. And they even quoted the law I just did earlier. But right after that, they outright lied. ATF's examination found that some FRT devices allow a firearm to automatically expel more than one shot with a single continuous pull of the trigger. This is not true. They threatened all FFLs with a $10,000 fine and up to 10 years in prison if they sell these triggers. They were even told this was the case by several senators, and instead of complying and turning over the rules, they went ahead and did it anyway. And keep in mind... The procedure is half the punishment. Just the threat of prosecution, let alone being arrested and subjected to trial, can ruin lives and destroy businesses, even if the person is completely innocent. This is not about justice. This is about harassing gun dealers to drive them out of business. Nothing more. If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. Another update, this time about the battle Cox Cable is fighting with the big content cartels who previously got the crony courts to give them a billion dollar judgment against the cable provider. 
It should have been thrown out faster than a primed grenade, given that much of the evidence presented was created after the fact. But the courts have said, nah, we don't care. No need for a do-over. That's just fine with us. The judgment came because Cox failed to terminate the accounts of subscribers because content companies sent them letters asserting, without any evidence whatsoever, that they were pirates. The ruling is currently under appeal, and that hasn't changed with this latest ruling. But in January, Cox filed a motion for relief from judgment, saying that the content companies had two of their witnesses give false testimony about the hard drive's contents backed up by a submitted declaration despite a previous court order. They again concealed that when they represented to the court that there was no validation of the data after the claims period. They also had no logs showing the origins of the hard drive files, and didn't log the hash reports of the attempts to authenticate those files. They also allowed the evidence of those attempts to be destroyed, even though they were generated specifically for the purposes of this very litigation. Cox also mentions that they were denied probative, potentially exculpatory evidence, which prevented them from fully presenting their case at trial. They also bogusly allowed the hard drive to be admitted into evidence, even though plaintiffs admitted that it wasn't direct evidence, but a recreation generated specifically for this litigation. But that fact was not disclosed to the jury. They go on to list numerous other such complaints. All of this is evidence that is crucial to the case that Cox should have been in possession of all the facts about in order to defend themselves, and were denied those facts. They argued, quote, The materiality of these misrepresentations and the prejudice to Cox could not be clearer. They were intended to, and did, fend off well-founded challenges to the admissibility of key pieces of evidence, the exclusion of which would have crippled plaintiffs' cases. The bottom line is that plaintiffs lied. They lied to Cox, they lied to the court, and they lied to the jury. And they rode those lies to a $1 billion judgment. But according to U.S. District Court Judge Liam O'Grady, none of that matters. It doesn't matter if the evidence was recreated. It doesn't matter whether the files were verified before or after the fact. Quote, That these files may have been downloaded and verified in 2016, after the claims period, is of no consequence. Indeed, the dates of the file downloads do not matter in the context of this case because, as fully explained at trial, files with matching hash values are identical regardless of when downloaded. The court does not doubt that defendants received a full and fair trial here. The jury had ample and relevant evidence by which to render their verdict. These are serious allegations of misconduct. The judge doesn't even try to deny them. He accepts them as true and says it still doesn't matter. The fix was in. By the way, he's also the judge who greenlit the mega-upload case against Kim.com and also sentenced whistleblower Daniel Hale to the second harshest sentence for a whistleblower ever. Hale was the one who leaked the drone papers, which we covered at the time, showing that 90% of the time, the people the drones killed weren't the intended target, but were retroactively classified as enemies killed in action, and small children as fun-sized terrorists. When are we ever going to be able to punish judges for crap like this?
If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. We've talked about cops using really bad pseudoscience before, but this one has to be the dumbest. From footprint analysis to bite mark analysis to lie detectors to statistical profiling to drug dogs to the prosecutor's fallacy to graphology, cops love their tools that let them point the finger at whoever they want and even allow them to do searches that would otherwise be illegal. Even the more scientific techniques, like blood spatter analysis, bullet matching, fingerprint matches, and DNA matches, aren't the 100% foolproof indicators of guilt police and prosecutors like to make them out to be, especially when sloppily done. But this is a real problem, as it can effectively shift the burden of proof. Some police expert waves a shiny thing in front of a jury, and then the defendant is in the unenviable position of having to try to debunk it in a system that isn't in any way set up to be skeptical of police and law enforcement procedures. But a lot of the time, you can at least see some merit in it. You don't have to be a dribbling moron to fall for a lot of it. But this time, it's just flabbergasting. In a report that makes one nostalgic for the days of police psychics, Crime scene investigators find what they claim are suspicious grave sites using, get this, dowsing rods. Back when the late great James Randi had his million dollar prize going, one of the things that got tested the most was people claiming to find water or whatever with dowsing. This is some sort of rod made of wood or metal, made in a way that can easily waver when held, is moved over the water, the rod points down or otherwise indicates its presence. The thing is, it only works so long as the dowser, or someone within view of the dowser, knows where the water is. Properly blind the experiment, and they perform no better than chance, meaning it's nothing more than our old friend, the idiomotor effect. It's hard to think of anything that's been debunked more than dowsing, in fact. And yet, in this report, an instructor at the National Forensic Academy in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, Arpad Vass, who trains police on all sorts of crime-solving methods, claims to use dowsing rods, quote, on everything. In fact, Vass actually hands out divining rods to his students, completely with the blessing of the University of Tennessee. I wish I could tell you this was some sort of teaching method, that he does this, gets the students all excited at the success, and then tells them it's crap and uses it as a way to teach them about pseudoscience and how easy it is to fall for. But no. He's perfectly serious. He uses the normal flags used as evidence markers and teaches his students to bend them into dowsing rods. He bends them into L-shapes, held one in each hand, with the rods out to the front. 
when he walks over a suspected gravesite, the rods cross, and he can do it again and again. And he specifically tells his students, quote, I'm not kidding. Now he's invented this new device, the quantum oscillator. Oh yeah? Well, I know you're wrong because my turbo-incabulator says so. He says, quote, Everything in the universe vibrates at a very specific frequency. Gold has a gold frequency, silver has a silver frequency, and your DNA has your frequency. Uh, no. But people take Vass seriously. Most notably, he was called as a witness in the murder trial of Casey Anthony, which we covered on this podcast. Prosecutors tried to claim that her victim's body had been placed in her trunk, using Vass's claim that an air sample contained compounds consistent with human decomposition. But an analytical chemist from Florida International University testified that this was junk science, and the compounds could also have been emitted by food wrappers and trash found in her trunk. Anthony was acquitted, and properly too, because the evidence against her was completely bogus. But the public was outraged, saying that the jury had to have come to the wrong conclusion, based largely on Vass being talked up in the press. Others weren't so lucky. Stephen Epperly was convicted of murder even though no body was found, because Vass claimed he could detect the quantum oscillations left over by the victim's energy frequency, proving that she'd been dismembered and stored in Epperly's house. What Vass can't seem to be able to do is function when it matters. The family of David O'Sullivan, a missing Irish hacker, were disappointed when Vass was completely unable to find his body. His mother claimed that Vass, quote, cost us a lot of money and gave us false hope, which was much worse. Families are at their most vulnerable at this time and will try desperate measures. In fact, he's never been able to actually locate a missing person or a body in an unknown place. And Vass isn't the only one. Agent Todd Crosby of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation and former student of Vass used witching as evidence in the trial of Bo Dukes, who is now serving 25 years in prison. Crosby claims to have done so in 40 other investigations. As for why dowsing could find bodies, Vass says, quote, The electric field you're generating from your bone is dissipating through the water and moisture in the skin, so it ends up being so weak. The rods won't detect you if you're alive. You have to be about two or three hours dead before this will work. He claims to have found bodies buried as low as 300 feet. The sad part is, Vass probably believes that it works. Most of the dowsers that Randy debunked believed it, and all of them were very confident of their chances. When they failed, they all had some reason they applied retroactively. But every single time, they got to set up the parameters of the test and set it up in a way they were sure would work. Each and every time, it didn't. In fact, you'd have just as much luck using a Ouija board. But the cost, both in tax dollars and in ruined lives, not to mention destroyed constitutional rights, is very, very real. Do you have children, or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling, or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, 
Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 apiece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to sidewind this week's Biggest Bogun Emitter. What do you call someone who can baselessly accuse a congressman of being a child sex trafficker and get away with it? Answer, the New York Times. That's what they said about Congressman Matt Gates last year. In what was described by the rest of the media as a political bombshell, the Times wrote that Gates, quote, is being investigated by the Justice Department over whether he had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old and paid for her to travel with him. And the headline they chose for the article, quote, Mag Gates is said to face Justice Department inquiry over sex with an underage girl. The article was large on invective and light on evidence. It was primarily devoted to guilt by association, pointing to other convicted sex traffickers and calling them political allies. Only if you read well below the fold would you see the paragraph that reads, No charges have been brought against Mr. Gates, and the extent of his criminal exposure is unclear. And that remains true one year after publication. From the start, Gates not only denied the accusations, he went on the offensive, saying that the allegations were part of a blackmail and extortion scheme to get $25 million from his family. His father had already reported the attempt to the FBI. Although that claim was vilified in the press, it was vindicated in August when a Florida developer and convicted felon, Stephen Alford, was arrested for that very crime of extortion. Alford pled guilty in November. So the only part of the story that's been confirmed is the part where this was all based on a blackmail attempt. Yet, that still doesn't matter to the news media. Gates has now gone a full year with millions of people believing he's a child abuser, even though he's never been given the opportunity to confront witnesses or respond to the evidence against him. The news media long ago stopped being journalism and became mob justice. Real journalists like Glenn Greenwald, who pointed out all of this and said that Gates, like everyone, was deserving of due process and presumption of innocence, was attacked by the Twitterati for two days, saying that he must also be a pedophile. This sort of thing happens all the time, but, as in this case, the Times has neglected to retract anything. You can see the direct parallels to the Hunter Biden laptop story. Now that it's been verified as true, of course it had been at the time, and even the New York Times tacitly acknowledged that, the news media and big tech en masse spread the story that the laptop was due to Russian disinformation and leaked by a hacker, even though none of those were ever the case. The repairman who discovered the laptop and dutifully turned it over to law enforcement has had his reputation and his livelihood destroyed. And yet, to date, no news outlet has published the truth or retracted any of their claims. As Greenwald explains, quote, These outlets no longer see their function as journalistic, but instead as partisan and propagandistic. They are absolutely willing and even eager to lie if it helps the Democratic Party stay in power. 
They know that their almost exclusively liberal readers and viewers want them to lie to help Democrats, and so they feel no compunction about lying and no need to acknowledge it when they get caught red-handed doing so. Conversely, none of the outlets, from Greenwald to the New York Post to this podcast, that have been honestly reporting about the laptop from day one have said that Biden is, in fact, guilty of anything since he hasn't had his day in court yet. We only talk about the facts, that the laptop is absolutely Biden's and that the pictures and emails were authenticated both by others involved and by cryptographic signatures, and that the people deserve to know about that in the weeks before the 2020 election. Folks, there is no such thing as a noble lie. If you cheer on these acts when they're made against people you hate, all you're doing is creating a fascist state where people's lives are ruined for no other reason than they go against the powers that be, which one day could be you and your family. Always remember that. So all of that makes the New York Times this week's Biggest Bogani Minute. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's recertify this week's... Idiot Extraordinary! And this week it goes to Bernie Sanders, who just proposed a 95% business tax. That should be enough right there, but we gotta make the segment longer, them's the rules. It's the sort of thing that someone ideologically driven toward class envy, but completely ignorant of economics, would advocate for. Which is really par for the course as far as old Bernie's concerned. At a time when us poor and working stiffs are reeling from inflation and high prices at the gas pump and grocery store, the millionaire senator just unveiled his new tax proposal, which is based on the principle that J.P. Morgan bad or something. Basically, if you make more of a profit than you did before the pandemic, then you pay the government a 95% tax on that additional money. What could possibly go wrong? According to Bloomberg, it would maintain the current 21% corporate tax rate up to amounts earned before the start of COVID-19, then 95% for anything above that, capped at a total 75%. Sanders tweeted, The American people are sick and tired of being ripped off by corporations making record profits while working families pay absurd prices for gas, rent, and food. The time has come for Congress to work for working families and demand that big corporations pay their fair share. Because he's apparently never seen the CBO figures for the effective tax rate. 
Of course, sensible people know that this isn't the issue. Corporations aren't any more greedy than they were in May of 2020, and they can't just decide on a whim what their profits are going to be. I think people would be much happier with prices as they were at the time, especially the national average gas price of $1.93 per gallon. When IGM Chicago surveyed their panel of economics experts, 79% of them disagreed that corporations and uncompetitive markets were to blame for inflation. 84% disagreed that antitrust interventions would reduce inflation, and 65% disagreed that price controls would reduce inflation. In reality, as anyone who's studied economics, or even has a functioning brain, knows, bigger taxes on businesses would just mean higher prices for consumers, lower sales, and fewer people employed. Corporations do not have their own money. They get it from consumers and pay it out mostly to employees. As for profits, most of that goes to reinvestment, which lowers prices while increasing employment and wages. Very little of it goes to dividends, and the part that does mostly doesn't go to rich people. It goes to ordinary people who have the stocks in their retirement portfolios. Not only that, but this would be an enormous incentive for big corporations to move overseas, while smaller businesses might have to close down entirely. This is just Sanders playing to his ignorant base, whom he doesn't really care about. If he did, he wouldn't keep advocating policies that make the prices of everything more expensive while destroying their jobs. While Sanders himself lives it up in his three houses valued at over one and a half million dollars. So all of that makes Bernie Sanders this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this. I kill, I maim, I fornicate, but as far as my flock is concerned, my only vice is a little tibble before evensong. Edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Sun Tzu. When prices rise, the wealth of the people is exhausted. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. 
And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.